Wednesday, which is always a good thing, because you get through the middle of the week, then uh, you're just heading downhill from there on for the rest of the week, and we're going to pick up speed as we go today. Today's going to be a good day. We've got J.R. Davis, and we've got Seth Miller going to be coming on with us, and we're going to be talking to, to them about the debate last night, and uh, we'll discuss that. Uh, before we get underway, do we have... Uh, we don't. Okay, we, we've got we've got some technical problems, evidently over in the uh, the studio. They're working on them right now. And I'm watching Heidi working hard in the studio. But last night was the uh, vice presidential debate. I sat up and, and uh, watched it. Before I get into talking about it, though, let me uh, say thank you to the Faulkner County Republican women for having me over for lunch. Uh, I believe it was Mike's that we were at in in uh, in Conway, and uh, just they had a good turnout. Had some uh, guests that showed up. Stephen Meeks came by; he visited with them as well. So it was good to see him. And uh, trying to think, Jack uh, Sotolaro was there. Uh, Judge was there. Uh, Carnahan was there, and, and and just talking to some of the folks that were. Jason Rayford's wife was there, uh, said hello to her. So it was great uh, sitting down and and talking with them about uh, major issues in the campaign that's going on right now for the presidency. As uh, we try to get uh, get that all uh, together for folks, as as we get together and talk and break bread together. I uh, I spoke yesterday for a while on. Some different issues. I talked about uh, the attack on religion in this country. Uh, talked about uh, the problems that uh, are out there uh, concerning uh, some of Biden's uh, stances, uh, Kumo's stances, things of that nature. You saw in the Bronx yesterday, I suppose, uh, that. Uh, the Orthodox Jews uh, were really, really uh, getting at it uh, uh, yesterday because um, of what the governor's trying to do and, you know, closing down synagogues, things of that nature during their high holy days. You know, governor, take a break. Let it go. And and for him to say, yeah, I know, it comes close to government inter- uh, intervention – comes close i would say it is government intervention when you tell synagogues they gotta close that's the government intervening in the free exercise of religion period that's that's what occurs but anyway that's what we we talked about that we talked about abortion we talked about amy comey uh, barrett uh we talked about a lot of things yesterday and it was a lot of fun i enjoy going out and 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 speaking to groups like that and uh, and just reminding them which party 
uh, is the party that's going to stand for uh, their values. So that was that was good. Well, my uh, my buddy Mike Pence, uh, the vice president of the United States, still a friend of mine. Uh, I worked with Mike in Indianapolis at WIBC. We got to know each other well. We got to be friends. And uh, I thought he did very, very well last night. And I, as, as, as well as he did in answering the questions, uh, Kamala Harris forgot the first rule of debating. And, and that's not preparation, by the way. Uh, the first rule of, you know, debating is never let the other side see you sweat. And last night, if you just watched her side of the screen, when Pence was answering questions, she, all the different faces that she was making, that's, see, those are the things that, a, a a good debater wouldn't do because uh, after it was all over with I'm seeing uh, let me pull up the information that I have here uh, they were checking into uh, how the they were asking the audience Fox was how people were doing uh and they're answering. According to uh, Frank Luntz's polling numbers, as he talked to the people after uh, the uh, the debate, and I, I made this statement early on uh, in the debate to uh, J.R. Davis. By the way, they're going to come on. We're having some problems with the phones right now, so they're trying to get them set up so they'll they can get into the, uh, into our system and on the air. But Heidi is working feverishly behind the scenes to try to make that happen. But uh, Frank Lutz um, said that people were watching it, watching the debate, and uh, and they said they were upset with Harris's reactions to Pence. And I had said to J.R. Davis and to, to Seth, I was texting with them while the debate was going on, and I said right off the bat, she's breaking, you know, the number one commandment of debate. You know, she's letting her face say everything. Excuse me, and that's what, uh, and that's and, and that's exactly what happened. And people who were watching the debate saw that clearly. They were upset with Harris's reactions to Pence, the smiling, the smirking, the scowling. They were really irritated by that, and. Uh, you know, Harris had a bad night. She really did. She had a bad night. Had a bad night uh, in trying to in, in, in trying to avoid answering questions. I mean, uh, Pence really pushed on her about packing the court. Now, let me tell you that back in March of this year, uh, Harris 
said that uh, she, quote, is absolutely open to packing the courts, unquote. Absolutely open to packing the courts. And uh, would not would not uh, say that during the debate last night because she knows, as well as the Biden camp knows, that the American people do not react to that correctly. Why do you think Biden's not saying what he's going to do uh, with uh, Supreme Court nominees? Why is he not allowing anybody to hear the list that uh, that he has? It's very simple. They know that that causes a problem for them. You know, all they want to do is repeat over and over that 210,000 Americans have died. That's all they want to say. Um, I thought that uh, Pence did very well last night talking about, you know, uh, the uh, doctor making the statement that if Trump had not done the things that he did about not allowing uh, Chinese aircraft coming to the United States and things that he did, which the uh, Democrats made fun of when he did it. If you do, you remember not remember that Biden called the president a xenophobe for doing that. Do you not remember that uh, Nancy Pelosi said, "Hey, meet me in Chinatown in San Francisco. There's nothing to worry about the Chinese," and. Uh, we know that that's where the virus came from. And, you know, talking about, and if, if it hadn't have been for what Trump did at the very beginning, Fauci said we may have had 2.2 million deaths for what went down. All right, let's go ahead and get our first break in. And I, I'm going to try to calm Heidi down because she's, I can see she's frustrated, and I know what that's like. I know what it's like. See, I, I've i got a statement. You hear me say it all the time. Technology's great, except when it's not. <laughs> and then it really irritates you. So hopefully uh, we'll figure out what the problem is, get JR and get Seth on, because I'm sure they got some insights as well. Uh, but we'll talk about the uh, the debate last night. What did you think about it? We'll open the phone lines up. My phone lines are always open. Oh, we can't get the listeners even on. Phones aren't working. Just to let you know. So you got to put up with me. Uh, did we get that piece of music pulled? We got that. Okay, so let me uh, do this for you. Make you happy. I'm going to make you happy. Make get, get your dancing shoes on, all right? Because on this day, In 1957, in the Sun Studios of Memphis, Tennessee, there was a guy that went in from Faraday, Louisiana, and he recorded this song. Hey, let's go to a break and then let's play it. Let's do that. I've been told we need to go to a break and then we'll come back and we'll play it. And I'll I'll repeat that great lead in (laughs) to the song. All right, we're back with you. Before we go uh, back into talking with Seth and uh, Jr., we're going to try to do this like kind of like tin cans with string. You know, when you're kids and you used to take tin, tin cans and tie a string between the tin cans, and then you would talk to each other and you could hear each other. Well, we're going to do that. What I'm going to do is I got Seth on my my cell phone, 
Heidi's got uh, JR on hers, and we're going to just hold up our cell phones uh, to the microphone so you can hear the guys talking. But before they do that, I want to give you some happy feet this morning. Let me take you back to 1957, Memphis, Tennessee, Sun Records, Jerry Lee Lewis, and he brought us this song. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. You must love as a man insane. You broke my wind, but what a threat. I can remember my brother playing the 45 on our little record player we have. Remember when we used to have the record players at... You could close the lid on them and carry them where you wanted to go, and then you had a 45 record, and it had a, it had the spindle in it, but you had to buy those little like yellow uh, things that you clicked in the middle of the of the record, the hole, so that you could put it on the spindle. I know that Seth doesn't know about that because he's not old enough to remember it. Are you, Seth? Okay. Yeah, I can't hear you well on my phone either. It's not, uh, I'm going to try to turn Put him up. on speaker. I'm going to try to turn him on. Yeah, I'm going to try to turn it up. The speaker is not loud enough. Let's try even. Okay, let's try again. Testing, testing. Now we got you. Okay. <laughs> but you don't, you, 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 do you even remember 45 records? I do not. <laughs> I didn't think so. By the way, Frank Lutz said last night about the, uh, uh, the polling he said uh, that he saw. You know, he's the one that he like hooks people up and stuff. Uh, he said that they were more upset with Kamala Harris's reactions to Pence, the smiling, the smirking, the scowling, than they were at her answers. What did I say right at the very beginning of the debate last night? You pointed it out. That's the number one thing you don't do. Yeah, you just don't do, and she, you could see it, it, it just terribly uh, in her face as far as that uh, was concerned. Now, J, is Jr. listening? Jr. she really let herself be saw, she could, you could see her reactions so visibly on her face, it really did hurt her last night, don't you think? Yeah, you really could. I mean, I think her disdain for Trump uh, came through at the wrong moment. Uh, she wasn't debating Trump. Yeah, she was debating the Trump administration. It was a very different person uh, sitting across the table there from her. And, and so I thought early on uh, she really had a difficulty uh, with facial expressions. And again, there's so much, uh, so much conversation this morning and last night about fact that she's a female, um, that the vice president was talking over her. Uh, I, I like to think that I am sensitive to some of that. Last night was a debate. I 
did not think that the vice president was overly, you know, uh, uh, interrupting. I think he was trying to fight for extra time, just like uh, Senator Harris was. Uh, I think Senator Harris is an incredibly gifted debater. Um, I think she was one of the uh, shining stars during the Democratic primary as far as being able to kind of go toe-to-toe with people. She's a very talented individual. So for her this morning, um, because of you know how they viewed uh, the vice president's performances, is laughable to me. So you know, like I think he just looked more seasoned last night, and it came across, and he was substantive and direct and calm and measured, uh, and did exactly what you need to do in debate. I was very impressed. Yeah, it was funny because I knew exactly how Mike was going to do. I've seen Mike debate many, many times, and that's just what he is. I was telling the the Faulkner County Republican women yesterday when I was talking to them that he is very self-assured. He is very sure about himself, and that showed last night. It really, really did. And I think you used a, a really good term uh, there, uh, Jr. that he showed himself to be seasoned uh, last night. I mean, being a congressman, uh, being a governor, uh, all of those things played out last night. And, you know, being vice president and going through vice presidential debates four years ago, you know, that all came to fruition last night. And I, I, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Pence won the election for Donald Trump, but what he did is he did the same thing. If you remember four years ago, he righted the ship because Donald Trump's first debate with Hillary Clinton was not very good. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and that's a good way to look at it. I mean, I think, I think, uh, uh, Mike Pence, uh, did a phenomenal job. And, uh, and I heard this on one of the networks afterwards. Uh, they said that he, he made conservative, us uh, conservatism normal again. Um, and the reason I say that is because he outlined, this is what we believe, this is why we believe it, believe it. And he went through each policy issue that was brought up by Susan Page, and he actually, you know, answered it in a way that I thought was substantive um, and, and really kind of helps, you know, that sort of uh, middle gap of individuals to see why it makes more sense for four more years of Donald Trump and four years of Joe Biden. So I just thought he did an incredible job. And I'll say this. Last night, the Republican was more substantive on policy issues than the Democrat ever even tried to be. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's very, very important to the American people that were watching last night. Yeah, it was really important. Wall Street Journal said this, guys, and I, I really think this is important. Uh, they said, Mr. Pence was most effective in pointing out how far left the Biden-Harris Democrats have moved. With Donald Trump's personal antics sucking up all the media attention, voters hadn't heard much about Mr. Biden's $2 trillion in spending over four years on the Green New Deal, the $4 trillion of tax increases that will reach into the working class through higher business and corporate rates, their goal of eliminating fossil fuels that would cost jobs and raise energy prices, and the Biden record on foreign policy that included opposing the raid on Osama bin Laden. That, that's important stuff to get out there. Seth? Yeah, he, 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And there were multiple times in which Senator Harris looked a little surprised when Mike Pence would note something that Joe Biden said, particularly on health care. And I think part of that is Kamala Harris had flip-flopped during the primary, not knowing exactly where she was. She was ready to be. All right. Uh, Look, hold, hold on for a second, sure. Seth. We'll come back. All right, so you're watching on Facebook right now, and you're saying, what is Dave doing? He's got his phone up to uh, the microphone. Well, that that's, that's Seth, Seth May from uh, the GOP here in Arkansas, and uh, we're having problems with our computer with our, our, our phones, and uh, we can't get the guys into the system, so we're doing the next best thing. Uh, we're tying the cans together with the length of string and um, and putting them on the air with us uh, this morning. Uh, Seth, you said breaking news going on, and I you, and when you told me what the breaking news was, I just shake my head. Go ahead, tell tell everybody what's going on. Some breaking news out this morning after last night's vice presidential debate, the second presidential debate a week from today. It will be Thursday of next week. It's supposed to be in Miami. Instead, it will be done uh, virtually. So I'm not sure if the president and Joe Biden are to be doing Zoom conferencing uh, for this debate. I think that's certainly uh, the way the commission wants to be able to cut off a microphone. So when a candidate's two minutes expire and you are going to talk for two minutes and five seconds, now that it's all virtual, they can control when the camera is on you, uh, when the mic is, and they can shut those off at the same time. So I think Uh, That is obviously the uh, Trump campaign did not want a mute microphone button that the moderator could be able to just shut off any candidate. But now with a virtual debate, I presume that is the commission's way to get around uh, the Trump campaign's refusal to submit to muted microphones. And so it's it's wildly interesting. I can't imagine people want to tune in to a Zoom conference call between two septuagenarians. I could be totally wrong on that, but it, it seems to really uh, take all of the, uh, well, everything that's good about a debate. Seeing two people physically near each other, how they react, how they respond in person. You're talking about now time delays, too, uh, when you're doing long-distance virtual debates. So, of course, this will be the first time it's ever happened, and I think, boy, there's a lot of ingredients for this to go wrong. Yeah, there there really really are. Uh JR, did you just hear that by any chance? Uh, I heard a little bit. Okay, they're going the next debate, the the town hall debate next Thursday oh. is going to be done virtually. I can hear you right now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're going to do the town hall virtually. Well, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I agree. Why even do it? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I think all these networks that are complaining about the first debate secretly loved it because it was a ratings boom for them. This is going to be terrible. It's going to be the opposite of that. Nobody's going to want to sit around and watch Biden and Trump, uh, you know. On computer uh, screens. Online. Uh, going back and forth <laughs> on a solicit. That's just terrible. Yeah. I I don't know who I whose idea that one was. That's got to be – I got to believe – the Biden camp was pushing on that because, you know, they were saying yesterday, if the president uh, is not uh, uh, is, isn't going to bring the uh, COVID-19 virus into the studio. And it's like 
it'd be over two weeks. He's not going to bring it with him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's more of a the, the coronavirus, you know, so to speak, was the best thing that happened to Joe Biden for Donald Trump because it gave him every excuse in the world not to have to uh, appear with him again. I mean, we saw that last debate. You know, I said the morning after, or a couple mornings after, that I felt like Trump gave a lot of it away because he didn't allow Biden to be Biden. And that's the issue, is that if he's given these opportunities in a debate-like setting uh, and the president allows him to speak a little bit more, uh, you're, that old, feeble, you know, concerning demeanor Joe has had lately is going to come across. And so for the campaign, they're going to use this as an excuse all the way to November 3rd. You're going to love this one, guys. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, This was reported on Twitter uh, that last night in China, they they broadcast the debate, and when uh, Pence started giving comments about China, Mm -hmm. their signal started screwing up, and you couldn't hear what Pence said, but suddenly it cleared up when Harris started talking. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You know, Dave, and and that, of course, obviously, as you denoted, the vice president going hard um, there on China. And uh, once again, Kamala Harris seemed to be surprised at Joe Biden's record on China. She did multiple times last night. And she doesn't want to stick the vice president in any situation uh, such as that he can't wiggle out of. And she just blatantly did not know his policy positions on foreign policy, on health care. Uh, she wasn't familiar with his history, which once again is odd since she attacked him um, in in the primary on that. And that, if there was a disappointment last night, that was it. That Kamala Harris was not asked uh, two questions. One, she said she believed Tara Reid, the former Biden staffer who accused him of sexual misconduct, and she also called Joe Biden a racist. And this was the first time Kamala Harris has not stood in front of a group of reporters to take questions since being uh, selected as the nominee. She's done a couple late political shows like Cuomo or Anderson Cooper. Well, those are all softballs. But she has not stood before a pool of reporters just to take whatever questions may come. So a little disappointed that those two uh, ginormous issues, you know, were not brought up, her uh, criticisms of her running mate. Well, we we made the point during the break, you and I were talking, that her shining moment uh, in the Democratic debates is when she called Biden a racist. Yep. Yep. Which I, she, again, once again, I don't know, has ever recanted or taken back in any in any serious I way. I haven't heard you it. Think, you would think that would be a question right between the eyes, one of the first ones. So Susan Page covered a lot of ground. It was nine topics in 90 minutes. Um, but at some point, I, I would have liked to have seen that to enter into the fray. Maybe it will be a question posed to Biden, these things that she has said about him. I, I'm very doubtful that will come up in the town hall format. And I had not even thought of, and Jr. may have may have mentioned this, not only will the president and Joe Biden be virtual, so will all of the town hall, average, average Joes, if you will, the people that are supposed to ask the questions. They're also going to be virtual. I just, I think they're really setting up a disaster for next week yeah well it just came up i i got uh, got the tv on here got news up it says trump and biden to debate virtually on october 15th uh and uh, hearing from you that evidently the audience questions are going to be 
virtual as well, although some of those have been that way for years now. You know, they have people uh, come into the, the the town halls and they got them on uh, from their computers at their homes and things of that nature as they try to show that they're in on uh, the whole thing about getting these people on, um, you know, involved from home. Here's something else that was said. Uh, a Twitter from Liz Wheeler, your reminder that Harris supports late-term abortion, mandatory gun buybacks, reparations, jailing people for marijuana while she smokes it, repealing Trump tax cuts, abolishing private health insurance, uh, a Green New Deal, deadly to Harris. And I got to agree with that. I just thought Pence did a methodical job of doing it, and I, I, I said to both of you on on uh, when we were uh, uh, texting back and forth, I said she's dying a death of a thousand cuts tonight up on uh, up on on the stage. And Jr., you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I thought one of the worst moments for uh, Kamala Harris last night, and I feel like there were a few. Uh, she did seem nervous at times. I think that she was doing that uh, new, you know, that sort of, we all come to uh, uh, expect this from the challenging VP uh, nod, that there's just a lot of pressure that you're trying to say what you feel, but also stay in line with the top of the ticket and make sure the campaign's happy with you. She just came across very, uh, uh, just not completely steady last night in the way she went about things. I think what hurt her the worst today was the tax cuts. Um, when they started talking about the fact that, you know, on day one, uh, a Joe Biden administration is going to raise taxes. Yeah, for $400,000 or more and said they were going to get rid of tax cut. And the vice president reminded her that everybody got a tax cut with the uh, the Trump tax cuts. Yeah, and that's where I felt that uh, that the vice president was so methodical and just going through line by line the $2,000, the $4,000, uh, the fact that the, the new green, uh, the Green New Deal, how much that was going to cost. I, I just felt like he just went on the attack there, and she really didn't have an answer for it. And I think most Americans watching last night realized that you know, they made that connection that's so important that if a Biden administration is elected in November, our taxes will go up. And that was a very powerful point last night. Yeah, they will. There's no doubt about it. Your your People's taxes are going to uh, go up. And I thought that Pence did a good job. And Seth, tell me if you, you think I'm wrong. But uh, when Harris brought up 200,000 Americans had died, he pointed out that if the president hadn't done what he did at the very beginning – Fauci said that 2.2 million Americans may have died. Right, and that was always the most pivotal topic for the vice president as the head of the coronavirus task force was how was he going to handle that? Because Kamala Harris's team set her up, I think one staffer, and this has to be a young, inexperienced staffer. I can't imagine <laughs> that Jr. you know, or myself would ever say this. They said her strategy was to go into the room with the vice president, to pin him to the wall with the facts, and then to leave a trail of blood. Somehow blood was invoked in, in the analogy, which is just – I don't know who possibly thought that was a good idea. Well, if that was her goal by her own metrics, 
she fell entirely short. And the coronavirus is one of those points where the vice president reminded her the low end estimate was over 200,000 deaths. Well, we're at 210,000. And like the vice president said, any death is too much. But the high end estimates were over two million. I remember Governor Cuomo in New York saying they were going to have so many people hospitalized, they would have to split ventilators. People would have to share a ventilator, two people on a ventilator. Well, the president, of course, sent the USS Comfort, um, a hospital ship to New York, and I think maybe seven people were admitted there. Okay, so I remember what the doom and gloom scenario was early on in this pandemic. And it was great to hear the vice president remind us of what they said could have happened and compare that to where we are today. Any loss is tragic. But as you pointed out, they said we could have two million dead Americans. And that just isn't where we are today, thankfully. Uh, Yeah, not even close. Hey, guys, I'm going to give you the uh, some quotes from uh, one from Ari Fleischer, the other from Ben Shapiro. And then when we come back from the break, I'll I'll get your take on what they're saying. Ari Fleischer said. Pence just cleaned Biden's clock on foreign policy. That means he he, clean, he cleaned uh, Harris's clock. Uh, from Jerusalem to ISIS to NATO to the Iran deal. Then from Ben Shapiro, Pence dismantles Harris. So the entire media will now talk about pink eye and a rogue fly. Uh, we, <laughs> we will talk about all of that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let me bring you up to date again. If you just joined us, we're talking about the vice presidential debate. We've had some problems with our phones. We've got uh, Seth from the uh, Arkansas GOP on my cell phone on speaker, and we've got J.R. Davis on speakerphone with Heidi. And we're holding our phones up next (laughs) next to the microphones so that you can hear what they're saying. Ari Fleischer tweeted last night, Pence just cleaned Biden's clock on foreign policy from Jerusalem to ISIS to NATO to the Iran deal. Ben Shapiro said Pence dismantled Harris. So the entire media now will talk about pink eye and a rogue fly. And then Molly Hemingway uh, chimed in on Twitter and said, the way you know that everyone agrees that Pence won is that we're now on the talking point of vice presidential debates not mattering. Uh, even though Pence's stellar performance in 2016 clearly mattered a great deal for traditional GOP voters going for Trump that year, too. That's some very insightful statements by some different people, although I, you know, uh, Ben Shapiro is just being cynical as all get out what he had to say. Let me go to Jr. first, Seth, and then I'm going to come back to you. Jr., your thoughts on some of the things you heard from Fleischer and uh, Fleischer and and, and uh, Shapiro and Hemingway. Oh, I think they uh, hit the nail on the head. That was my biggest complaint last night uh, when I watched that debate. Look, I was uh, you know I, I was trying to look at it from you know completely uh, objective perspective and say, okay, you know, uh, Harris had some some moments, Pence had some moments, but throughout that debate, Mike Pence just did an incredible job, and I felt like he absolutely outperformed Harris, but you wouldn't know that when you uh, turn on the post-debate commentary on the networks. It is just, it's just absolutely uh, astonishing. It's nothing new. Uh, people, uh, you know, we've experienced this over the last four years, even before that, um, but it was 
uh, the fact that she's a woman and he was cutting her off and he was mansplaining. And, and it just, you know, honestly, again, it just blows my mind. This is a debate. It's a debate. He fought for extra time. She fought for extra time. He gave his best answer. She gave her best answer. Mm-hmm. That's just a debate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, you just, you wouldn't know that from uh, the post-debate commentary. And Shapiro's was, was probably... <laughs> the one that really makes the most sense because it's the truth. It all turned to uh, the debate and the commentary came about everything but Pence's performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think is sad, and I do think it will move um, the needle. This will be the most consequential VP debate we've had in some time uh, in our presidential politics. I would agree with that. Uh, Seth, your thoughts? Well, I definitely think the fly incident was unfortunate. When it first happened, I got up and walked to my TV. I thought it was me, you know, shoe fly, trying to get it away. But <laughs> uh, that that is unfortunately a moment that will stick with us. But I really think Molly Hemingway really hit it. When we're talking about, oh, it didn't really matter that much, or we're talking about a fly, that tells you who won, right? The Republican won, if, that is, if that's what we're down to talking about um, at that point. Because if Kamala Harris did what her staffers said, she was going to do and just made an embarrassment of Mike Pence and prosecuted the case against him, uh, then the media would be about uh, Kamala Harris has sealed the race. The race is over. Joe Biden had a lead, but Kamala Harris sealed the uh, the deal. That would be the headline today if she did a, a good performance. But immediately after, when they start talking about issues that were on the periphery that have nothing to do with the actual content of the debate, that tells you who won on substance last night, and I think it was far and away uh, Mike Pence. I always say, Dave, if if radio doesn't work out for you, you just ought to go become vice president as well. You can clearly <laughs> see his his radio experience coming yeah. through both in his debate against Tim Kaine, which he won four years ago, yep. and his debate tonight. And I got to say, if you're a Republican looking to run in 2024, and you're thinking about who you don't want to see on that primary debate stage, Mike Pence is probably one of those folks, calm, cool, and collected. The facts are always on his side. You can't beat him. Well, we'll have to see what happens, but i got to tell you, in four years, it might be very interesting because we'll see him on stage again, and I believe that he'll be running for president of the United States. Yep, yep. I I really, really do. Well, with that, I'm going to let you guys go. Get on with your day. And I'll talk to you later. Hopefully next week when we talk, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, sitting here talking about what it's going to be like to do a virtual uh, <laughs> presidential debate. So we'll talk about that next week. You guys have a great day. Thank Thanks, you, Dave. JR, for being on. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate you joining here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick uh, uh, show. So I'm uh, I'm getting ready to cut. Uh, there we go. Just let him go. Yeah, it was. I I just thought that. Uh, Kamala Harris didn't show last night, but somebody, who was it that said this? I want to uh, say something. Jim Garrity said, many mainstream uh, stream, uh, media analysts are saying that Harris had a good debate tonight. They said she had many good debates during the primary, and yet, and I think this is the, this is the, 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 the caveat that's very, very true. She never made it to Iowa. That says a lot. It really does. All right. Get your dancing shoes on. Here you go.
Tell you what, when one of the papers that loves loves the Democratic Party says this, you know you had a bad night. Uh, Megan McArdle said about uh, the debate: Pence is actually a good debater. Harris is not. That kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? When the Washington Post is not on your side. You know that you screwed it up. That that's what you know. You screwed the pooch. That's one of the great. That's one of the great uh, terms that I learned while I was in the in the military. Yep, screwing the pooch, and when I I use that now all the time, it just it just so uh, indicative of what's going on. All right, so I I've got uh, Ed Monk here from uh, Last Resort Firearm Training, and I, I had. We were having lunch last week, and we were sitting and discussing uh, various things. We talk about a lot of stuff when we're together. Solving a lot of the world's problems. We are. If you guys would just put us in charge, I'll guarantee you things will clear up in a short period of time. What a scary thought. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, anyway, I, I I digress as I always do. Grab that rabbit. Anyway. Uh, we were talking, and he started talking about what would people do if they were in their car and driving down the street, and you turned a corner and found yourself in the middle of one of these uh, chaotic situations, like in in Portland or uh, Seattle or any of the major cities of uh, our country. And I started saying what I know that most people would say that were concealed carry uh, uh, holders. Well, I just pull my gun and uh, I protect myself. And uh, Ed looked at me and says, yeah, but is that the best thing to do? And it got me to thinking. And so I got a hold of Ed and I said, why don't you come on my show? And we came up with this date and these times and talk about that type of a situation because it is a bad situation. I'm just telling you, it's a bad situation. You know, would you gun your car and run people over? Uh, Would you pull your firearm out? And if, uh, you know, people start beating on your your car and stuff, would you hold your gun up and threaten them? Uh, 
you know, that didn't work out so well for the McCluskeys there in uh, in Missouri. Uh, they've been indicted, and you say, yeah, but they'll not be found guilty. Yeah, I understand, but they're spending money for a lawyer right now that they probably would rather spend their money on something else. So let's talk about this. And the phone lines are open, 823-0965, 823-0965. And uh, my, our question is, is what would you do? Put yourself in that situation. You're driving down 630. It's about 8 o'clock at night. And there are people all over 630 holding up signs and stopping traffic for Black Lives Matter. What would you do? What would you do, Ed? Well, and of course, the things we, and this isn't something we have to be hypothetical about because we've seen it happen. We've seen people stopped in intersections, stopped on highways, surrounded, and then various things happening. So, uh, I've, this has allowed us, that it, for those of us that it hasn't happened to yet, we can think through ahead of time and start setting some options and some triggers. So this this is what I've come through with my rules of engagement and what I would do. I'm not necessarily saying it's the best thing for other people. This is not legal advice by any means. But number one, because there's nothing good that can come out of this, uh, avoid it at all costs. If you think there's unrest, if you think there's protest violent protest if you think there's going to be riots stay away stay away uh you know it's like it's like don't go looking for trouble as my dad would have said yeah if if i had a you know a gambling game over here roulette wheel or whatever and i said you cannot win all you can do is lose money would you play my game and the answer is no well you already had your freedom in your life beforehand and all you can do is keep it you can't win anything so try to stay away uh but as we say, sometimes you go to the circus, and sometimes the circus comes to you. So you could just be going to a doctor's appointment, you know, Good just going about it. your daily life, and you come to an intersection, stop at a red light, there's a car in front of you, and now all of a sudden you're surrounded by people. Uh, if they surround my car, I'm going to get my weapon in my hands. Now, I'll try to keep it concealed under my shirt, under something I have, but I want it in my hands so I don't have to clear my seatbelt, clear my concealment garment, and then get it out after they've crossed the line of deadly force um and, and that's happened let's let's talk about that we've seen the videos we've seen the newscasts we've seen it happen where people have been stopped and have been dragged from their car yep. and uh and killed yep uh seen people forcibly removed from their car and killed we've seen people assaulted inside their car we've seen people get out of their car and then get assaulted so yeah absolutely this is not something we have to say hypothetically if this ever happened it has happened it hadn't happened to us yet mm-hmm. but it has happened um and then we needed to we need to think ahead of time of our triggers and so you know we we are going to do this class that we talked about and we started thinking through it because we would have students going you know with their stop me and they're beating on my car and breaking my headlights and denting my dash you know uh can i use my gun and the answer is absolutely no at that point it's property crime it's just like them beating on your car out in your driveway while you're inside your house that's just a property crime it's unfortunate you don't like it uh but it's not it doesn't justify the use of deadly force yeah well so we have to start setting triggers um obviously we want our windows rolled up we want our doors locked uh so that they have to force their way in um my trigger point for me again this is not advice for other people my trigger point for me to go deadly force is if they break the window by me or they break the window by another person in my vehicle 
or they break a window and then reach in and get get a door opened mm-hmm. so that they can enter my vehicle. At that point, I'm probably going to go deadly force, which means use my gun. Once we've gone deadly force, then I am if if it's physically possible to drive away, which means there's not a car blocking me in or they haven't put a device in front of my car that blocks me in. Uh, once I've used my gun, I have gone deadly force. Of course, I've deemed it justified if I've done that. So Correct. driving over people or through people is also deadly force, but we've already crossed that threshold. So I'm going to, because nothing good can come around from people surrounding me after it goes to the deadly force uh, level. So I'm going to drive out of there if I can, even if that means driving over people. Because if I've shot somebody, that means that in my mind, and I hope I'm reasonable, that I was going to be killed or seriously crippled had I not fired my weapon. If I'm blocked in, if I've gone to deadly force because they've gone to deadly force and I'm blocked, physically blocked in and I can't move, then I'm getting out of my car as soon as I can because you are so – it's such a disadvantage inside of your car. You can't see as well. Uh, you can't move as well. You can't fight as well. So I'm going to get out of my car and try to get to a safe place as soon as I possibly can. And that means when I get out of my car, I want to take with me what I need to take, which hopefully is a, a deadly weapon, a, a handgun, and as much ammo as I can carry – uh, non-deadly weapons, if I have them, probably a large can of spray uh, and a phone. Yeah, this is something that you talked about uh, when we were having lunch, and you said that you take, you carry uh, uh, mace or pepper spray or whatever, but you said something about a fogger. Yeah, I mean a lot. A lot of people know the uh, a pepper spray, little bitty cans, right? Uh, that you know, you might care if you're a jogger, or a woman might carry in her purse. And, and those are adequate uh, if you're dealing with a mugger, one person trying to grab you, mug you, whatever. But by the definition here of what we're talking about, we're talking 10 to 100 or more people surrounding your car and all working as one group together. Right. And you got the mob effect and the swarm effect. So one little can might be enough servings for one or two people, but it may not be enough servings for a lot of people. So they sell these uh, larger cans. It looks, pretty much looks like a little fire extinguisher that has pepper spray in it that uh, gives you more servings for more people. Do you do you suggest that people, of course, we always suggest that people conceal carry, and that means that if you're in your car, you have a firearm with you. Would you suggest that they buy one of these things that look like a little fire extinguisher and keep that in your car as well? Yes, and I do. I, I would keep one at home. I would keep, if you know, if I work in uh, in the city, I would keep one, and I would de- I'd definitely keep at least one in my car. Okay, so let me ask, how do you, well, we, you can answer this when we come back. i got to get a break in. How can you use that uh, and not affect yourself? Let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ed Monk from uh, Last Resort Firearms is with us. And what would you do if you found yourself in the situation of being surrounded in a mob uh, and uh, a vicious mob at that. You know, they're they're calling you names, they're banging on your car, and now they're trying to get in your car and things, and, uh, you know, situations that we've seen where people have been pulled out of their cars. What are some things you're, that you should do? See, this is the key. You should always have a plan of action. Always. That's what the military is good at, and I've always appreciated the military about this. Uh, they sit down and they say, if this happens, what should be our response? And um, I talked to my, my wife about this. 
You're going to love this, Heidi. I, I think about when I buy a ticket to the lottery, I think about what am I going to do if I win? Of course, I will jump up and down and get all excited when it first happens. But secondly, I already know the people I'm going to call. If that ever happens to me, to, to, to work with me for how to situate my money, uh, things to do to make sure that everybody and their mama doesn't try to start calling me and uh, doesn't show up at my house and, and all of those things. So uh, I, I, I get so what do, what do we call those that in the military? We make uh, when you make plans like that. What, what, what's the military term for well, that? you make courses of action? Yeah. You know, you get you get set for that kind of stuff. You think about it. I mean, that's the same way when you play sports. If you're playing baseball, let's say you're the second baseman, you got a man on first, uh, and uh, there's one out. What are you going to do if you get a ground ball? Well, you're going to try to turn a double play. You're going to go to your to your shortstop or whatever. We'll talk more about it as we come back. There's just things that you need to talk, you need to think about. You got to think. Think is thinking is not illegal yet. Keep that in mind. And neither is getting your roof fixed by PI Roofing. Man, when you have problems with your roof, here's what I suggest you do. You immediately grab your cell phone and call 707-3551. 707-3551. And the great professionals at PI Roofing are going to come to your house and they're going to fix whatever the problem is. Or get started on fixing the problem that you've got. I was just talking to Elizabeth yesterday and day before yesterday. Uh, P.I. Roofing came to her house. She wasn't even there. Uh, they, uh, She had called them, said that she needed them to check her roof. They showed up when she wasn't there, got up on the roof, checked her roof out, said, yeah, you got hail damage. Even, uh, you know, checked in with her uh, insurance and uh, they're getting ready to fix uh, her a new roof they'll do the same thing for you again i don't get special treatment when i call pi roofing i get the same treatment you're going to get you just call 707-3551 or go online and go to pi roofing one word pi roofing.com all right so situational awareness and uh you know, preparing for scenarios that might happen. Something the military does all the time. What would happen if uh, China let go their nuclear weapons towards the United States? What would we do? Or if they tried to take Taiwan. Or if that, yeah. Yeah, they all those kind, they play through all of those scenarios. And they have little... Uh, and in some cases, very thick, uh, hard-covered three-ring notebooks. I don't know why three-ring notebooks is the, 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 the choice of the military, but it is. Uh, they have these notebooks sitting up, uh, and probably now it's more in, on, on computer, that says, if this happens, you might think about doing this. Yep. If then. And that's, you define the enemy define his capabilities, his goals, his most probable course of action, his most dangerous course of action, and then you do exactly what you said, uh, you know, maybe using a terrain board. If the enemy does this, then how will you react? So it's action, reaction, action, reaction. Uh, so hopefully that you've 
as the late Dr. William April would have said, you make a parking place for this in your mind. You have a you have a, a file in your brain that you've already thought through this before. You see, at my house, for instance, you come into my house and uh, the doors are locked in my house. Uh, the front windows are down and locked in my house. Uh, but when I go to bed at night to go to sleep, I close the door and I have a strong lock on my bedroom door. Somebody would have to kick the door in. And I lock that because I consider in my own mind that is the last barrier from whoever the bad person is getting into my bedroom. Yeah. And then you make them come through the door. That's right. Which is, is, is a very dangerous tactical thing to do. And you, hopefully you've got a place to hide behind, and there's only one place they can come, and that's the door, so you can focus all of your attention and weapons at that. And, yeah. and I have a weapon within easy reach when I go to bed. I, I, I've got, uh, I'm coming over to see you at 4 o'clock, what, Saturday? 4, four, four thirty on 4 Saturday. 4.30 on Saturday, yep. to, and we're going to put two... Uh, cartons of uh, 12 gauge shells through that new ar-15 12 gauge i got and make sure it works as as well as it's supposed to and that will be sitting by my bed when i go to bed that's why i want it yep cordless drill yeah yeah i said yesterday in front of republican uh, women of uh, of um, faulkner county i said you break into my house as fast as you can come through the door with that, I will send you back out faster. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's, the, that's my goal at that point because you're not supposed to be in my bedroom. That's just the bottom line. Yep. Or in the house. And that's right. In the house, we have a lot of advantages. Uh, you know your house. You, you know the floor plan. You control the lights. Hopefully, you at a minimum have locked doors and windows. You may have an alarm system. You may have a dog. So we have extreme and you probably, even in Arkansas, you probably have guns in your house. So we have extreme advantages. But outside of your home, uh, they have the advantage because you don't have any of the advantages in your home, and they're going to have the advantage of surprise. And so uh, going back to the uh, being in your car at an intersection or even walking down the sidewalk and you just happen to be in the wrong place when one of these mobs happens, you, are at, you have all disadvantages. The only advantage you have uh, if you get caught up in this, is the fact if you're carrying a weapon or weapons and you know how to use them. That's All your right. advantage. Situational awareness. As you're walking down the street, you know, you've seen these on, on these videos of people co-cocking folks walking down the street. Yep. Uh, I won't let anybody get that close to me on a sidewalk. I move, you know, before I get to them, I'll move, which, number one, should uh, kind of screw them up as far as what they might be planning to do. If I'm moving away from them, well, what you want to try to do, you might not be able to do type of thing. Yep. You, it's 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 not being paranoid. It's, you're just asking yourself two questions. Who's around me and what are they doing? Who's around me and what are they doing? And, and I'm telling you, that's military training coming yep. for us. That, that's what they teach us in the military. If you look like you're aware and you are concerned about who's around me and what I do, and a lot of times that will cause you to be deselected from common parking lot type crimes but with the riots it may help you but then if if you're not deselected if they do select you as a victim then you've you've got a little advance warning so that, that okay helps. so let's talk about that when we come back situational awareness and 
setting up the scenario in your mind. Here's Rush. I got a buddy, Eric Coleman. He's a jeweler. You need to go see him. If uh, you want a piece of jewelry that's going to knock the socks off of the person you're giving it to, then Eric Coleman's the guy to go see. Because they can plan out that piece of jewelry. They can design that piece of jewelry from A to Z. From concept to on the person's finger. From uh, how do you want the, the, the ring to look? How do you want the, uh, I don't know, you want to use a diamond? If you use diamonds with Eric, I'll just tell you he's got a ton of diamonds uh, that he can show you and save you thousands of dollars on diamonds. Do you want a colored stone? What Do you want a marquee cut? Do you want a princess cut? What do you want? He can do all of it for you because he's an artisan and he knows what he's doing. He's a gemologist and he'll make it work for you. He'll make a beautiful, uh, personal uh, piece of jewelry that will reflect the other person's uh, personality. All you have to do is stop by and see him at 3000 Cavanaugh. He opens typically at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, show up, knock on the door. He'll buzz you in. And uh, you can get on your way to a great piece of jewelry. Or make an appointment. Give him a call. 501-246-3655. 501-246-3655. Look, if you're going to spend the money for a piece of jewelry, spend it with the best. And that's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and Eric Coleman. He'll take great care of you. And you'll be very, very happy with what uh, he is going to design for you. All right. Ed Monk's here talking about situational, you know, awareness, scenario, uh, awareness, all these type of things. This is all stuff you should do. I mean, you don't think about this, but when your life is on the line, you'll be surprised. See, in the military, you fall back on your training. You do something enough over and over and over and over again. When the balloon happens, you fall back on it. It might not save your life, but it probably will. And it's not only the physical skills, it's the mental skills on how to plan. Like when I do planning for this stuff, I, I know that I'm using the techniques of military planning and decision making that I, you know I did for 20 years in the military. Yeah, this isn't – it's – what we're talking about right now is really, really important. You know, we haven't seen the type of um, chaos in in Portland or Seattle or Chicago or New York or any of those places, but we have seen some. And you could find your. I mean, they blocked six thirty. Yep, we're one election or one police shooting away. You could go shopping or go into a doctor's appointment and as soon as you got there there's a a police shooting that a certain segment believes is controversial they organize and by the time you get out of whatever meeting or event you were at and start trying to drive home there you are well and things can change very rapidly Uh, when COVID-19 started all of the disinformation misinformation and everything was out there and people were confused they didn't know exactly what was going on they were they were told that you need to stock up on stuff and for whatever reason they decided that 
toilet paper was the thing to stock up on. And uh, they cleared the shelves of toilet paper. I saw people come close to having fist fights in the aisle of a store in uh, Cabot over the last couple of uh, big things of toilet paper because one person was trying to buy three of those and the other person saying, hey, I need one of those. And uh, it doesn't take much when somebody gets scared for them to start acting the fool. Yep. No matter which way the election goes in November, I think we have an increased chance of more uh, protests and riots, uh, probably more one way or the other. But again, it it could be a new a new police shooting or it could be that we've had several that caused riots in the past well if some of those officers come up and get uh get not charged or they get charged and they're found not guilty those are just other chances for unrest and i think those are all very good possibilities that some of those will happen all right so if you're talking well you are you're talking to my listeners right now how should they go about thinking about through a scenario like this lay it out for them well what we encourage students to do is no matter what type of uh countering force whether it's a mugger a breaking into your house you just think through it so every time you see read in the newspaper hear on the radio news see on the tv news about some crime you put yourself in that situation okay if this happened to me similar to that what would i do what are my options and of those options what are the best options so as you see you watch the news and you see people stopped in traffic mobs surround the car you okay if that happened to me what would be my options of those, which maybe not the best option, but the least worst option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, again, make a parking place for this in your mind. And so you have to consider the use of force. Again, I'm not an attorney, but I, we kind of break it down. And first, there's annoyance. Okay, they block you. Well, you know, I'm trying to get my kid to a doctor's appointment. I'm trying to get to a job interview. And now these people block the intersection and you can't get through. So they're annoying you. Well, there's, you can't you can't use force or deadly force because someone's annoying you. I know a lot of people would like to, but you can't, at least not legally. They start you know, beating on your car. Well, if they're not causing damage, really that isn't use of force. Uh, screaming at you, that's all annoying stuff. No force can be used there. But now let's, you know, if you're, like we've seen, you're sitting at an outdoor table at a restaurant, and they come up and they start, they push you, shove you, bump you, throw your drink in your face well now they're using force but it's not deadly force so if they're using criminal force against you in attack you're justified to use physical force back but the problem is by definition there's not just one or two there's a mob if you use physical force and even if it's justified against one you're probably going to get swarmed and you're going to be outnumbered and then that's quickly going to elevate it to deadly force and you don't want to be in a deadly force situation when there's 20 people close enough to get their hands on you. So again, avoid this if at all possible. And you might have to swallow your pride and do nothing or back down or try to get away instead of going to force. Because if you if you go to force, even if it's justified, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, we were talking about this. And if some, you know, if I'm out having a nice dinner and I'm out on the patio of a restaurant and somebody walks up and overturns the table that I'm sitting at, and uh, you know, ruins my food, throws a, a, a drink at at my wife or whatever. I'm going to punch him in the face. But as you said, 
what are their buddies then that are they're probably i mean this person's probably not doing this on their own uh yeah. when they start doing it what are these other people going to do yeah have the, i escalated the situation the, you, yeah you will and they probably don't have the guts to do it on their own uh because they'd get their you know what's kicked but now that they've got 20 or 30 of their closest friends with them and so you have to think not only about me but if you've got your spouse or your kids there you know they're in play too now so it's totally human to feel emotion we can't stop that but we just can't let the emotions control our actions so we have to stay in control of our emotions and our actions so maybe yeah i just ordered this food it's a nice meal i should be able to go out and eat a nice meal with my family without these people screaming and flipping my table over and throwing my coke in my face but again as the late dr william april would say you have to admit that the world is not as it ought to be so Mm -hmm. we live in a world that has these people so given the fact that this is the world we live in, what are the best actions right now for me and if you're with your family, your family? And maybe it's abandon your meal, abandon this table, and leave. Well, I've got every right to be there. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. But you only have negative outcomes if you stay. Uh, leaving, if, if it doesn't have to go to force, because in this scenario, if it goes to physical force, I think there's a better than average chance it's gonna all, it's gonna go to deadly force. Okay, so it, 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 I, again, you're not a lawyer. I understand. Maybe I should have asked Robert Steinbach to be here as well. Uh, but if somebody, let's say, they throw a a drink in your face or in your your wife or girlfriend's face or boyfriend's face, and uh, you turn around and slap your teeth out of their head, and when by doing that. Uh, other people get involved and want to come to that person's uh, defense. And let me just say that we've all probably have had that happen. The bully in the high school normally had somebody standing behind him uh, whenever he was bullying you. Uh, and you knew that if you jumped on him, his buddies were going to jump on you as well with the bully. Uh can you get charged with, you know, uh, causing that scene because the person overturns your table or whatever and then you punch them and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose? Can you be found uh, guilty for causing a riot or causing uh, excessive force? I, I can't. I, you know, it depends on the prosecutor. I, I think if it's deemed you're justified in using force to counter the criminal force that was used against you, I think you're okay uh, unless it's a political thing. But the problem is, like you said, the person does something if what you counter technically is justified, and but then you now you got 10 or 12 or 15 of them. Now you got to counter more people. Yeah, and so and, and now you're outnumbered. There's no way I can defend myself with physical force against 12 people. So now... That's justified to go, possibly to go to deadly force. So it, going physical force in this situation, there's just a huge likelihood that it'll it'll cause a mob, a swarm, and then it'll cause you to, to save your life to go deadly. And none of that is good. And then let me make one more statement before we go to break. If you're forced to use deadly force, uh, if you feel that you're being forced to use deadly force, what happens after just because it might be quote a righteous shooting doesn't mean that somebody some overzealous prosecutor isn't going to prosecute you correct exactly um and what i keep saying is eventually these mobs the people in these riots are going to are smart get 
get smarter than they are right now, and they're going to stop posting the videos that they are making of this stuff on social media. So right now, if, if there's a whole bunch of people videoing it, and you, what you did was legally justified, eventually that'll come out in the videos. But eventually they're going to stop posting their videos. So now what they'll be, they'll be your word against 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to say, one of us viciously attacked Dave Ellswick, and he, he did the only thing he could do, which was defend himself. They're going to say, we were peacefully protesting, exercising our rights when this Dave Ellswick guy just got violent with our friend and he ought to go to, and they're going to call the cops you know the the one in new mexico uh after they chased him down said they were going to kill him hit him with a skateboard and pulled knives on him and he shot almost immediately one of them said get his license plate get his license plate one of the mobsters said that why because they're going to call the police and they're not going to say we chased him down we said and it's a recorded we're going to effing kill you and he hit him in the head with a skateboard and then pulled knives on him they will say we will peacefully protest. In fact, I've got a clip of the news, the TV news report of that was peaceful protest at a statue when armed militia showed up and fired into the crowd. And that's that's not at all what happened. So you're going to have all the witnesses against you, probably the media against you, and politicians against you. Ed Monk is my guest, bringing up some interesting facts and some things that you need to know about. We've got him for the next few minutes when we come back and then he'll be back with us at six o'clock tonight as we continue on the dave ellswick show at that time but stay tuned we got one more segment with him here live for you on 101.1 fm the answer all right we've got six minutes to the top of the hour we got about five minutes that ed and i can talk ed is at uh, last resort firearms training it's uh, there in whitehall uh, gravel pit road is yeah it, exit the, 27 exit. off 530 all right i'm going to be over there i'm sorry you can't come i'm going to be there at 4 30 uh saturday because i need to to put some some rounds through my uh my shotgun and i've got 50 rounds to to burn and so uh my shoulder would be probably uh, sore on sunday that's a sore shoulder waiting to happen right there. <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's just but i'm not going to shoot all of them i'm going to have my uh my wife shoot as well because i want her to be familiar with that 12 gauge and that she can use it if i happen not to be at the house and i'm bringing my three-year-old grandson oh wow he will be he'll he's gonna he'll uh you know he won't get in any trouble and i'm not going to have him shoot the 12 gauge i just want him to be around and see uh you know pop do it and i don't want him to ever be afraid of uh, a firearm cool so we'll we'll, we'll break that. it in yeah we did that's how you do it that's how you do it you don't have to shoot it all right so let's go back to some of the things that we've talked about you're driving in uh you know little rock uh, you make a turn uh, down by on Capitol, and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a, a melee between uh, this group and that group. Uh, they both decided they were going to protest at the Capitol. They meet, and so, you know, all H-E double hockey sticks breaks out. Your car, car is surrounded. People are yelling. People are screaming at you. People are beating on your car. What's your response? Well, make sure your windows and doors are locked. Um, if if people are in the back seat, you know, bench type seat, have them scoot towards the middle, away from the window. Uh, I am going to get. This is what I'm going to do. I'm 
Uh, I'm going to get my weapon in my hands mm-hmm. and, and try to keep it concealed. Going to turn on my phone, turn it on speaker, turn it on 911. So my hands are free uh, to to do whatever I need to do with my hands, but I'm calling 911 and I'm going to leave it on speakerphone. Because when you connect, it's recording. Yes. And hopefully get people heading in that direction. And then if in, unless it goes to deadly force, I'm probably going to let them do whatever they can do. If I can drive away, if there's a way to drive away without hurting anybody, that is the absolute best option. But if they block me, then I'm going to let them scream. I'm going to let them holler. I'm going to let them beat on my car. I'm going to let them break my headlight. And we have students like, oh, I'm not going to let them do that. Well, you're not legally justified to use deadly force. So what are you going to do? Get out of the car and, and confront them with physical force, when there's 50 of them around your car, that's not going to go well for you. And you've escalated the situation. Yep. And that's that's what I was bringing up. A prosecutor might see that you were the reason that it turned into a deadly force situation. Yep. With an, we, we don't want to go to court. Uh, we don't want to go to court because it's, it's just too, mu- too much to gamble. So you can Crap have... Shoot. Yeah. You can have a political prosecutor... Uh, the police are going to be under pressure to arrest, political pressure. The prosecutor is going to be under pressure to charge and prosecute. Now, the prosecutor could be political him or herself and just do it. And we, in our Level 2 class, and we're going to bring this into our riot class, the Zimmerman case is a great example. The police chief chose not to arrest Zimmerman because he said the pr- there's, not, there's not enough evidence to arrest. I could get prosecuted for false arrest. I cannot arrest her. The evidence is not there. So they fired the police chief. And then the, the first prosecutor said, I, I'm not going to charge. The, the evidence is not there to justify a charge. So they appointed a special state prosecutor mm-hmm. that they knew politically motivated would charge. So the prosecutor here could be politically motivated. Or even if not politically motivated, the prosecutor could say, well, if I don't charge, they're going to riot my office, my home. So I'm going to go ahead and charge and pass the buck. Now it's, now it's up to the jury. Now I can say I did my job. I, I filed charges. We're going to prosecute and let the jury decide what happens. And even in 13, 18 months when it goes to trial, even if you're found not guilty, you're bankrupt unless you have some kind of legal insurance, which we recommend. And we'll talk about that in the 6 o'clock hour, yeah. by the way. You get, you say, hey, you won. The jury acquitted you. You won. Yeah, I won the court case, but it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to get there. I've lost my house, my kids' college fund, all my savings just to get an acquittal that never should have happened in the first place. You won the battle. You lost the war. Yep. We'll talk about that in the 6 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. A lot to think about here. I know what we all want to do, but is it the right thing to do? One thing that I'm going to do out of this discussion is get myself one of those little fire extinguisher things that have pepper spray in it. And we'll talk about it at 6 o'clock hour. Join us then about how to make sure you don't get pepper sprayed while you're using your own pepper spray. That's all coming up at 6 o'clock on the Dave Ellswick Show.
6 o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick show. Um, pretty good possibility you're on your way home, you know, from work or whatever. And uh, Ed Monk is with me. He was with me in my last hour of my live uh, uh, pop uh, early this morning, 7 until 8 o'clock. He's back with me now uh, here at 6 o'clock to talk about what do you do if you find yourself in the worst case scenario, and that is, let's and and I'll expand this out just a little bit. You 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 make a turn on the the road and you find yourself in a riot, literally chaos going on all around you. People are blocking your car. People are yelling and screaming at you. People are beating on your car. Those type of things. What do you do? Uh, or let's just take it to your house. What are you going to do? Have you even thought about what you would do if you were sitting, let's say, in your living room watching television one night with your family and someone just kicks in the door and storms into your home? What are you going to do? And if that What's happens, your plan? it's probably going to be more than one person. Yeah. What's your plan? Do you have a plan? You should have a plan. And before I go any further, uh, talk about buying insurance in case you find yourself having to use deadly force uh, just so that you can get yourself a lawyer and uh, it not cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, we encourage people that have guns for self-protection and especially those who carry guns for self-protection in public to get some kind of legal protection. There are several companies out there I have Law Shield, and I have Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. Now, full disclosure, a friend of mine is the president of Armed, Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. There are There is CCW Safe, and there's USCCA, United States Concealed Carry Association. Those are the four off the top of my head that I know of. There may be one or two others. It, they're hard to compare because they're not all the same. Some provide right. the attorney for you. Some provide you money to cover up to a certain amount mm-hmm. uh, attorney uh some include insurance that would pay off if you had a uh civil case go against you some pay up front some don't pay until after you're acquitted and then they back reimburse you so they're all a little different it's hard to compare but get something we encourage you because again you could you could get sued or you could get prosecuted i used to tell our students before the rioting, I think I, I would like to think that I've I've got enough mental and physical skill training that if I shoot on or off duty, I probably have less than fifty percent chance of getting prosecuted. But I'm probably definitely going to get sued because it's just too easy to sue, and the people who are going to sue you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Correct. So I'm probably going to get sued. So if I get sued, and then again eight to fifteen months later. The jury finds in my favor in the civil suit, that's great. I won the court case, but it would have cost me $500 an hour for every hour that my attorney or attorney team worked for me to get me to that court case. And I went, I'm bankrupt. I've lost my house, possibly my business, all my savings just to get to an acquittal. Not to mention that just all of the tension and the stress might blow apart your marriage. Yep. Uh, might lose your job again look at the zimmerman case uh he won he won his court case but he lost an awful lot uh now what we tell people is the good news is you have to be alive to be prosecuted you have to be alive to be sued 
So if you honestly feel the only way I can stay alive and not be crippled is to use deadly force, then then use deadly force. If if that's what it takes to stay alive, then do that and then ride the legal ride. But people say, well, the law says, well, I'm not an expert on the law, but it's not just the law. It's the legal system, which is the law plus people. And there's the variable. Well, let's stop right here just to bring up a, a suggestion, uh, a, a, an example. Sorry, not a suggestion, an example. Let's go to uh, Missouri, and uh, a group of people break into a gated community. They go by countless signs that say no trespassing. They step on uh, the lawn of, uh, of a house. They start screaming at the people at the house that they're going to take their house over. They're going to kill them what they're going to do to the wife of the house and it's not pleasant and uh the the uh, owner of of the house the people who live there have uh, guns and they banish those weapons and i think rightfully banish those rep- weapons didn't use them just showed them that they would use them if they had to they were indicted yesterday by a grand jury yep and so that's the legal system and you know the saying is you get a jury of your peers whether that's a grand jury or a trial jury and and no they're not unless you consider peers human then yeah they're human like me but they're not like me you know as i've looked at the statistics somewhere between three and eight percent of each state that has a concealed carry law three to eight percent of the people of the population the adult population get a concealed carry license a very very small percentage um the other side, the person suing you, the lawyer for the person suing you, or the lawyer or the prosecutor, if he decides to prosecute you, he or she is going to do their very best to make sure that concealed carry holders are not on that jury. So you're not going to get your peers, people who own guns, carry guns because they know the risk. Understand guns. Yep. They're, and they're not. They're going to try to make sure you don't have any victims of violent crime on your jury who might sympathize with what you had to go through. So you're not going to get a jury of your peers. You're going to get people. Um, and therein lies a problem. You don't know where, which way they're going to go. All right. So we wanted to set that uh, little scenario up for you to understand uh, you should have some kind of legal uh, group to fall back on to help you cover the costs of your legal defense. Is it a good idea to talk to a lawyer, ask them, hey, look, if something ever happened, can I, can I uh, retain you? Is that a good idea? Yeah. Yes. And see, here's a problem. Let's say I've never had a roofer work on my house. I don't know any roofers, but I've got friends on Facebook. I've got you. Hey, Dave, do you know, have you ever had your house roofed? And you can get recommendations because people you know have done business with the type of business that you want. The problem is good people that we associate with don't know any criminal defense attorneys because we've never had to interact with criminal defense attorneys. We've interacted with attorneys that did our will, that handled our mother's estate when they passed away, that did our bank, did our corporate merger and business. Those aren't the people that are going to defend you in a criminal trial. So we don't know who to call. And that's, it's perfectly understandable. So if you find yourself in this situation, you don't know who to call. So this is a, a way is what we're trying to tell you today is you have to prepare for something that could happen that could be very ugly. Yeah. So, like, if you had to have eye surgery and you knew a foot doctor, you wouldn't want your foot doctor doing your eye surgery, but you could go to your foot doctor and say, if you 
Mr. Foot Doctor, had to have this eye surgery, who would you choose? Right. Because he doctors probably know knows doctor. somebody. Exactly. Who would you choose? Yeah. You don't want the lawyer offering a Groupon. You don't necessarily want the biggest ad in the yellow <laughs> pages. You don't want the uh, car injury attorney. Uh, you want a criminal defense attorney. And this is something that uh, I didn't realize until I was at a conference and a guy said it. He said, there are no experts in criminal defense of legal use of deadly weapons. You know, a good person has to use their, their gun to defend themselves. Who is the, the lawyer that's an expert that I can hire? And he said, the bad news is there is no expert because there's not enough of these cases. Divorces, thousands happen every day. There's lawyers out there that specialize in that. Bankruptcies happen every day. But good people using their gun to defend their lives is, is quite rare, thank goodness. So there's there's no attorney that can just specialize in that. You know, you the best you hope for is a criminal defense attorney that has had some experience in it. So, number one, spend a little money and get one of these groups that if something bad happens will help you with getting a lawyer. Check what they offer, whether it's money, whether it's they'll pay uh, for a lawyer, whatever. Find out and get the the one that best suits you. Number two, get in touch with a lawyer. Talk to them. Find out. You know, would they be the person that would be willing to to uh, stand uh, with you in a court of law? Find out from your friends. Find out from other lawyers. Maybe you got a friend who's a lawyer. Ask them, if this happened to you, who would you call? That's what we're trying to say. Try to get ready for things that you're not ready for. Yeah. I, my family doctor, my primary care physician, I have on my phone. I can call or text at any time. So if I have an issue, I'm going to him. He Then he may have to refer me to a specialist, but I know who I'm going to with a medical problem. Know who you're going to go to with a deadly force, justifiable use of deadly force problem. All right. So we got that. All right. So I'm going to keep things again. What happens if you drive into a riot? This could happen at your house as well. All right. Uh, I mean, look, Black Lives Matter has gone into the suburbs now. What happens if they're uh, in front of your You do something. You don't expect this to ever happen. I'm just going to tell you about this. You don't expect it to happen, but 50, 100 people show up in front of your house with bullhorns and beating drums and all kinds of stuff. Yep. What are you going to do? And so one of the reasons we're going to have this riot class is this is a different threat than the other two we generally train for. The, the, carrying a gun outside your home, the most likely thing is the mugger, the parking lot experience. Then there's the active shooter. That's a different animal that could also happen outside the home. This, this, is, this riot, violent protest, is a third, and it's totally different. So you look outside, and there's one trespasser out on your yard. Could you go out and verbally confront him and be armed, not point a gun at him, but be armed when you do just in case it goes south? You can make a, a case to do that. But now there's 50. Do you want to go outside and interact with this violent, unpredictable mob? Probably not. You don't treat this the same way you might treat another threat. It's not like the movies, folks. It's not like, uh, you know, where the lynch mob shows up outside the sheriff's office and he's got a 12-gauge or a 20-gauge and he steps out or he's got a a deputy next to him and they step out on the porch of the of the jail and confront the mob yep you don't want to do that and i think a lot of people from here listening to people they underestimate the threat 
and people think, well, I'll show them my gun, and that'll scare them. Okay, let's look at the Rittenhouse, the, the event that happened in Wisconsin. Okay. This guy had an AR-15 rifle exposed. Everybody could see it. He had already shot one guy who attacked him to death. So we knew this wasn't a prop. We knew the rifle worked. We knew it had ammo, and we knew Rittenhouse would use it. And still, one guy completely unarmed attacked him and tried to kick him in the head. A second one with a skateboard attacked a guy with a rifle who had already shot somebody to death, attacked him with a skateboard, and then the third one with a pistol. So this, oh, I'll show them my gun, or you know, and they'll back off. Well, we have examples where out of 100, yeah, maybe 90 will back off, but there are some people that are misguided, yes, criminal, yes, but they are dedicated to their cause. So you you have to, if you're going to go, if you're going to be ready to fight, you got to be ready to fight. Don't underestimate the mob. Yeah, don't forget about the guy in Seattle that shot and killed somebody. And when they tracked him down, he went down in what they would say a blaze of glory yep. as he got into a gunfight with the uh, the U.S. Marshal Service. You get in a gunfight with them, you're going to lose. 17 minutes uh, here. I'm looking at my clock. Uh, we're right around that at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll be back Ed Monk is my guest. Last resort firearms training. What's the phone number, Ed, for people to get a hold of you guys? 870-273-1113. And we have a Facebook page, Last Resort Firearms Training. They can check it out. All right. Let's break. we got more coming. Stick around. Let's continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock segment of the show. And uh, Ed Monk is our guest from Last Resort Firearms Training. That phone number again, Ed? 870-273-1113. Now, the reason I bring that up, you might want to call that number because they're going to have a class in what we're talking about right now, which would go much, much more in depth than what we're talking here. Well, I'm hitting the high points of this uh, as we talk. Just be aware of, of, of that. Okay, so we've talked about preparing yourself. You mentally have to prepare. I know you you think that this is crazy, but you need to uh, think to yourself, if X or Y happened, what would I do? Yes, and there's a, in this uh, riot, uh, violent protest thing, there are a lot of variables, a lot of variables of how they could approach you, how many, and, and what they do as far as just agitating you or physical force or deadly force so there's a lot of branches to the decision tree as we would say okay so keep that in mind you you gotta go you gotta prepare yourself for scenarios yeah i mean they could throw things at you they could throw 50 different things at you if they're throwing a water balloon at you that's not deadly force if they're throwing a brick at you that might be or a molotov cocktail yeah. if they're shining a laser on if they're throwing liquids on you if is it water that's not that's not deadly force if it's acid it is you know it's they're shining lasers at your face is it a eye safe laser or is it not that would determine whether it's deadly force there's a lot of variables of what they could do what weapons they could have all right so you gotta think through all of this stuff you absolutely must just sit down in those quiet moments and think yeah the brain does not work well under stress so coming up with new ideas and courses of action and choosing the best course of action in the little time available while you're under attack is probably not going to turn out well for you. But if you think these through and create the parking lots in your mind, the parking spots in your mind, create the, f- the mental files in your mind, it'll it'll be a little easier. Yeah, and, and the point that I'm trying to make, and I know that Ed is trying to make, 
when you sit down and do these scenarios, look, if it's, I wouldn't even pay attention to a scenario of, hey, they're, they're yelling my, you know, yelling names at me and stuff. I wouldn't, that, that doesn't bother me. But if somebody throws a brick, somebody's trying to open the door of my car, somebody is throwing a Molotov cocktail my way, that's a whole different aspect of this. Yep. And if you think about it, when it's not happening, you won't get as freaked out as when it does happen. You go, well, David, probably never happened. You're right. It might never happen. But you've thought about it, and you got something in that gray matter in your head about how you're going to react to it. Exactly. And then be mentally prepared and then be physically prepared with gear and be skill prepared. Now, that's where we want to go now. What kind of gear should you have? When a person leaves home now, I've heard you say something during a break that I didn't know. Uh, You've not been a big proponent over the years of pepper spray. You're much more a big proponent of concealed carry. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you knew someone was going to come in this door in five seconds and try to kill you, would you rather have a, 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 gun? a service pistol or would you rather have pepper spray? <laughs> you know, any, logically, anybody knows that. Uh, the, the, the pistol is a much more superior weapon to stop somebody trying to hurt you, but the, the pistol is deadly force. If you introduce the pistol, it's whether you're showing it, pointing it, shooting it, hitting somebody with it, it's deadly force. So you cannot implement, you can't use that until, the other side has threatened you with deadly force. They have to cross a yeah. threshold. Pepper spray is a non-lethal. So is a stun gun. They're, they are non-lethal okay, uh, so weapons. You know, we're going to talk about pepper spray. Are you a stun gun guy? Um, it's better than nothing, but the problem with a stun gun is you only have limited shots, and you have to touch them. You have to be close enough to touch them. At least pepper spray gives you a little bit of standoff. But pepper spray, some people are, are more... Uh, it works better on some people than others, and there's it goes through the air, so there's a wind factor. And especially if you're going to deploy it from in your car, it, almost no one knows while they're in their car which direction the wind's blowing. And I, most people, even if they're out, they don't know which ways. They're not thinking about that. They're not aware. Yeah, last thing you want to do is start shooting pepper spray out your window, and the wind is blowing in towards your car. Yeah. And so, like cops, if if someone if they pepper spray a uh, a suspect, n- no cop wants that guy in his car because their their car is going to smell like pepper spray for for a long time. But if it hasn't gone deadly yet, that might if you've got a lot of pepper spray, sp- spraying it in the area of the people that are physically criminally physical force against you, that could give you a separation which you could get away, and that's what that's for. If they are blocking you, you can't get away. They're attacking you with physical force. You can't go man-on-man, you know, man, hands-on-hands with six people. But if you could spray that pepper spray at all of them, that might give you a 10, 15-second delay, and they get more concerned about the burning of their eyes while you get away. Yeah, and the snot running down their nose from yep. their nose and everything. So you say that you carry a large container now of uh, pepper spray. I carry a small one on my body at all times when I'm in public. which I never did before, and I have a large one that looks like a little fire extinguisher in my vehicle at all times, at my home at all times, and in my police bag at all times. All right. 
It's more that's for crowd control versus just one mugger, one person that you have to deal with. All right. Giving you information that I think that you can use to protect yourself and your family. Because, uh, you know, a lot of us travel alone all the time. But uh, like for myself, I have my wife typically in the car with me. I have maybe uh, my some of my kids or I've got my grandchildren with me. And I'll I'll go to the grave protecting them. Just so everybody understands. All right. Uh, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. You got news coming up, and then uh, Ed Monk and, and I will continue. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM. The answer, good to have you along. Stick around. We got more important things to talk about. We continue after your news here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock hour. Ed Monk is here. Last resort firearms training. Uh, by the way, they're going to have an in-depth class on uh, the whole thing about if you get stuck in a riot or a riot breaks out around you or whatever. What's the phone number to call about that, Ed? Uh, our phone number is 870-273-1113, but they can sign up for it on Eventbrite. It's on November 14th. Two options, classroom only in the morning or all day, which is classroom in the morning, range uh, drills for this type of threat in the afternoon. You're going to have a bunch of people out on the range or something? uh on that day they'll be we're letting 10 on the range because that's all the dynamic stuff we're going to be doing that's all we want on the range but that's what i'm saying you're going to have like people around them yelling names at them no but we'll have targets (laughs) all right we were talking gear there's more to talk about dealing with gear what is some of the other do you believe necessary gear that people should have well the pepper spray is non-lethal. The gun, as I said, is lethal. And because they may go deadly force on you, you have to go. You you need that option in your toolbox. Um, so off-duty, I would normally just carry a high-cap pistol, wouldn't carry spare mag, kept it in my car. The purpose of my pistol was to get me back to my car where I had additional means to fight with. But I may per on purpose abandon my car if i get blocked in by them so i need to have more on me so i carry spare mags now which i didn't before um so again the different threats the mugger in the parking lot versus the active shooter and now this threat for the average mugger in the parking lot a small pistol if you're carrying it and you're willing to use it a smaller little you know small pocket 380 a small five shot revolver likely will get you out of the mugger problem with one guy in a parking lot right but this is a different threat. It's a mob. So a bigger service pistol, higher capacity, and spare magazines is probably what you want to carry. Bigger noise, would you say, is better than little pop, pop, pop? Well, I think when the popping starts, uh, that'll send the message. But again, that doesn't guarantee that people, will, will, the people you're not shooting will be scared and run away. Some will. Or even put in their mind, oh my God, that's a gun. Yep. Uh, and things have just changed he's not going to let us beat him over the head with sticks and skateboards he's going to fight back but as we saw with the rittenhouse case in wisconsin even if you pull a gun that doesn't mean they won't pull a gun or even unarmed they yeah, won't you get try the to true attack. believer so yep. to speak so then you get into okay i got a gun but what about skills well i don't know how to shoot a gun it's not just shooting with a gun it's fighting with a gun and fighting with a gun here is different than fighting with a gun against a mugger or an active shooter um First thing we, we mentioned first, that never really have anything to do with the, using the gun. It's you got to know the law and you got to know your rules of engagement. So know the law as it justifies deadly force and then rules of me. That's your rules of engagement. As we've been talking 
where are your trigger points? Okay. Uh, war game. If, you know, when will I go deadly? When will I go physical? Uh, and then a fast presentation because you're going to be carrying the gun concealed. Once you realize there's a deadly threat, I got to get it out. So if you're seated in your car with your gun covered by clothing and then a seatbelt, that is not an easy thing to do to clear the seatbelt, clear your concealment garment, and then get the gun out. That's why I say if I have any advance warning in the car, uh, I'm going to get the gun out as soon as I can. And then drawing from concealment, that might happen when they've already got their hands on you. That might happen while you're seated at a restaurant or seated in your car with a belt with a seatbelt. It might happen standing up, or you might be on the ground. They might have already got to you and got you on the ground when you decide you have to go to deadly force. So now you've got to draw on the ground, maybe with people on top of you. Those are all skills you don't want to have to learn while you're doing them. You have to get rapid hits because uh, hits stop people, and solid hits with handgun rounds, if you're using good hollow point ammo, won't exit that person and go hit other people. By definition, this is a riot. This is a lot of people. It's a crowded area. Just because one of them is threatening your life doesn't mean everybody within your gun's range is threatening your life. So if you decide you have to go to deadly force, use deadly force against the the person or people that are threatening you with deadly force. You have to get all hits because miss we say misses aren't misses. They're unintended hits. They're going to hit something else. You have to understand after-action drills. This is not target shooting where you shoot and then you just kind of stand there and look and see where your holes are. Again, if you, you may shoot one of these people and five others move forward to attack you or somebody else on your left or right may draw a gun. So after you shoot, even if you think you've solved the absolute immediate problem, there's probably follow-on problems coming. So you have to be ready for that. You have to be able to shoot from the ground, like Rittenhouse did, mm-hmm. uh, or from in your car. And if you've never done that before, that's, that's it's, called training. It's it's different. Uh, you know, I've trained a lot standing up, and I can drive my sights to where I want to go. But when I'm on my back on the ground and I present my gun, my sights don't naturally go to where I want them to go. So it's a different experience. You might have to shoot while backing up, while you're trying to get away from these people threatening you, especially if they have contact weapons. You know, if they're trying to hit you with skateboards and crowbars and two-by-fours to Baseball back, back up to get you know out of the immediate movement of their weapons so that then they have to follow you. Be able to shoot from retention. That means with the gun held close up against your body because you've let them get close enough to you to where pushing the gun out to where you can use the sights isn't an option because that'll put the gun within their reach. You got to know how to clear malfunctions because... Okay. Any auto pistol could malfunction, but now if you're shooting from retention, shooting from non-standard positions, or if one of your threats gets their hands on the gun, it's more likely the gun will malfunction. So if that happens, you got to know how to clear the malfunction, and most malfunctions can be cleared in half a second if you know what to do, but most people don't. And you have to know how to do rapid reloads. I told you, off-duty, I didn't normally carry spare ammunition because I carried a high-cap pistol. I thought that was enough in in normal day-to-day operations to get me back to my car. But now I carry spare ammo. So if if rapid reloads, and there's three types of reloads that we teach. uh, I'll just talk about one is the emergency reload. That's when you run out of ammo. So a mob is trying to kill you and your gun's empty. That's why it's called an emergency reload because it's an emergency. And you've got to be able to do that under stress, maybe in your car, maybe standing up, maybe on the ground. And so... There are others, but those are just some of the skills for fighting this threat that are important that maybe for the active shooter or the mugger are not that important. And then we get into the post-incident. When you get away, 
And it's perfectly okay after you've used deadly force or even physical force. If you don't feel safe, even though the immediate deadly threat is gone, to leave. To leave Just the like area. Rittenhouse did. He left and went went to and found police. Right. So there's nothing wrong with leaving, but you got it. You have to report not that you shot somebody. You have to report the attack on you. Why did you shoot somebody? Because somebody, a criminal, attacked you with deadly force. Right. That's what you're reporting. You don't have to be the first one to report it, but you need to report it. Yeah, don't go home and expect, well, the police to stop by. Yeah. yeah they yeah. may stop by, but it may not go the way you yeah. think it's going to go. All of us would assume somebody has done something wrong if they shot a human and didn't make a phone call. So you don't want to be, you don't want that assumption on you. So that brings us into the post. You have to think, and again, just like the fight, think through it ahead of time. Same for this. What am I going to say on the 911 call? It's recorded. Very little. I'm under an extreme (laughs) amount of stress, and I'm under the influence of an extremely powerful drug called adrenaline that is flowing through my body that could take a day or two to get out. So exactly. Our brains do not work well under stress. We don't remember things. We misremember things. Uh, So think beforehand of what I'm going to say, or maybe more important, what I'm not going to say on 911 call. And then if you make that call, you're eventually going to talk to police. What am I going to say and not to say to police? Not because you did something wrong, not because you're hiding something, but because your brain does not work well under stress. Talk to that attorney that you've you've paid for with a legal protection plan. Mm-hmm. And always remember this. Police want to solve a crime. If they start asking me questions, I'm going to say I want legal representation mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, we say, you know, I've, officer, I fully want to cooperate with you on this investigation of the attack on me. Right. But as you can possibly imagine, I'm under a lot of stress. I'll need to talk to my attorney and then I'll fully cooperate with, with your investigation of this crime, of the attack that was done on me that forced me to use my gun. Yeah. I mean, those are just really important things that you got to remember because you probably is going to think that whatever you did was righteous in other words it was the right thing to do the police officer may not see it that way or he's not seen everything that you just went through so he doesn't want to let what he might think is the perpetrator go yeah especially if you're still on or near the scene fully expect to get handcuffed but i didn't do anything wrong that's fully expect to get handcuffed uh, while they go through their investigation. And because these riots, A, are political, and B, you could have 20 witnesses lying but but giving statements against you, uh, I would say don't be surprised if you're arrested. Plan on that. And if you're not arrested, hey, you got a good day. But plan on getting arrested. Uh, may or may not be charged, but plan on it. And that's why you need the legal protection think think all of this through so you won't be under stress and won't be panicking when it happens like i said now if if it's a riot-based shooting that i do in my mind i've accepted uh i will probably get cuffed more than likely i'll be arrested uh i know i'll get sued more than likely i'll be charged but i have to be alive to be arrested prosecuted and sued so if i have to shoot or use other type of force to stay alive i'll do it that's why we call our company last resort this is this was your last option to not be in the morgue or not be in the hospital hooked up to tubes. All right. So I think uh, long and short of what Ed's saying is, you know, many people have this view uh, of something like this happening 
and, uh, you know, I'm going to do what's honorable and blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, you know, people think you know, it's going to be glorious. Hmm. It's never, ever, ever glorious. He just told you, you know, you'll probably get sued. The police is going to probably handcuff you. Uh, they may take you into the station to question you, uh, treat you like a criminal, all kinds of stuff. And it's, you got to count the cost. I mean, this is something I've talked about, you know, for, for many, many years when we've had the the long uh, fight that we've had and slog here in the state of Arkansas about concealed carry and stuff. And they, and they said, well, the, the law says this, well, that's true, but What's the judges are going to say? And do you want to be the poster child? Do you want to be the one that's taken in? That that's a question. It's a question you got to answer. And it comes down to, of course, some of it comes down to how important are your rights to you? Yeah, I mean, you, if you have the right to do something, doesn't it mean it's it's the tactical, uh, smart thing to do. If someone push shoves me in, in one of these rights i have the legal right to uh use physical force not deadly physical force back but if i know that's probably going to cause 15 of them to jump on me and try to beat me so then that will probably cause me to have to pull my gun then maybe shoving back or defending myself is not the smart thing to do even though i have the legal justification to do it yeah that you gotta think that's what we're saying think it's not illegal yet yep. think yep all right Ed Monk will finish up with me in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Last segment goes fast when I got Ed Monk on. Gives you a lot of good information. Gives you a lot of good things to think about. And that last thing that he said in the last segment is the most important thing to think about. Yeah, you have all the rights in the world to do what you do. But is the cost going to be worth doing it? I mean, you really, you got to, and, and this goes all the way back to when we first started. You got to sit down and think the scenarios through. And what are you going to do? And if you do that, where does that take you? And where does that leave you? I mean, it's one thing if somebody kicks your door in and comes in the house and uh, you got the handgun and the little uh, container there between you and uh, your wife or kid or significant other, and you pull a, a handgun out and you shoot them and, and you kill them. They've busted into your house. You have every right to defend yourself in your own home. Things change if you find yourself in one of these situations that we've been talking about over this last hour in a riot or uh, a group of people you know, and, and you, you, you know, we're all used to riots happening uh, here in the country. Don't go looking for trouble. Stay out of them. And then uh, last uh, but not least, know that that stuff can come to you by people walking down the street and they decide that they're going to disrupt your dinner or something. Yep. The mugger will come find you the active shooter may show up in your church your mall your kid's school and their riot may happen where you are just because that's where they were and that 
there there are peaceful protesters if they're yes, peacefully there on the sidewalk peacefully in a parking lot that is not what we're talking about we're talking about organized terrorism organized terrorism and I, again don't underestimate these people they're not a group of people who at the last minute decided to react to something they thought was unjustified these are trained organized funded uh terrorists is what they are and um again with the three different threats the mugger the active shooter and now the rioters i think again not an attorney i think there's there's you're going to be given probably different legal scrutiny i think the act if there's no kidding an active shooter somebody in a mall in your workplace in your church that pulls out a gun and starts randomly shooting people and you use deadly force against that person i think that you're going to get the least amount of legal scrutiny and i know of a case or two where technically i think the person that countered the active shooter probably got outside the law a little bit but who cares there was a guy shooting somebody and somebody stopped it they stopped we're not going to nitpick what you did you're a hero right the mugger um especially here in arkansas not in a very liberal city somewhere i think if you do what you're supposed to do and it's a legitimate justified shooting you might get handcuffed you might get arrested but i think you're you're probably going to be okay if you if what you do is is righteous and justified but i think in this riot if you shoot this is going to be a political thing if you shoot somebody even though eventually the evidence shows you were justified i think you're going to get a lot more scrutiny uh, and they will try to charge you with all different things. Uh, they'll get the media against you. They'll get politicians against you. Uh, everybody. They'll try to get everybody against you. The cops will be motivated to make the arrest. The prosecutor will be motivated to charge and prosecute. And then possibly the jury will be motivated. Well, if we let the, if we let this guy go free because of all the build up to the trial and the news media that you are a white supremacist militia member, even though you're none of those things, that's what you will be painted as. That if my God, if we if we acquit this guy, you know that's going to cause more. So maybe we better for the good of yeah, we got to do something. Got to do here. something. Maybe you know they charge you with murder. We'll downgrade it to manslaughter, but we're going to charge you with something compromise instead of just applying the law. And manslaughter can send you to jail for a long time. Yeah, um, a lot longer than you want to be there. Pulling your gun on any of these threats is a life-altering event, a negative life-altering event. The only reason you would do it is so that you can still have a life that will be altered. Again, it's a last resort. If I did not pull the trigger, I would be in the morgue or I'd be in the hospital hooked up to tubes. So until it gets to that point, especially with this mob, maybe you might want to tolerate, use tactical patience and tolerate rudeness, screaming, all the other things so that the mob doesn't go crazy and you have to go deadly yeah maybe it's to your advantage to step back you know my my dad I always draw on my dad because my dad taught me so much said that if somebody wants to fight do what you can not to fight for the simple reason that if yeah maybe you whooped their butt but they're probably going to land a few good punches on you too, and it's going to hurt. So, and what does it? In the end, what did it? What did it resolve? Uh, you got to think about those things. And he always said, probably best you can swallow your pride, but you still have your pride, and just don't get involved in it.
still have your pride, still have your life, still have the money in the bank. And you and still don't have, have a black freedom. eye. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nothing but negative that could happen. You could be killed. You could be permanently crippled. You could be seriously hurt. You could be put in jail or the attempt to put you in jail could cost you everything you own. So that would not only affect you, but if you have a wife and children, that would affect their lives as well. So think all that through. Um, we play a video of the shootist. Oh, where, yeah. Where John Wayne's character yep. is talking to Ron Howard, and he says, in, in the West, you set a code. I will not be insulted. I will not have hands laid on me. Uh-huh. You know, and that was his code. And he, he made you believe as his character. If that, you know, if you insult, I will not be insulted. I will not be lied to. And I will not have hands laid on me. And he made you believe you, if you insult me, I will kill you. Well, that, that may have worked in the wild west, but it won't work here. So I tell people there's a difference between morals and ethics. Morals is what you individually believe based off whatever. And your morals may be different than my morals, but ethics are a group norm. Then all that's of our something Kansas, to continue, yeah, you, you know, to consider. Our where our our group norms as our Kansas is our law, and the legal justice system that uses that law. So, kind of come to grips with where what you think is right and wrong is different from what the law or what the legal system would see as right and wrong, and just get in good grips with the consequences of that. You know. If you speed, then okay, I I want to speed and I do that, but I'm violating the norm, so I understand what could happen if I am caught speeding. Right. I'm willing to pay the ticket. Yep. But but this is a much more serious possible outcome. Absolutely. All right. Ed, thanks for coming by. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Always important information. Uh, Do what Ed does. Get yourself some pepper spray and keep it inside your car. Not a little container. Get one of the big containers. Uh, Get a hold of Billy Pennington. He'll tell you all about pepper spray. He he carries it. All right? Keep that in mind. All right. I'm out of here. See you in the morning, 6 a.m. on the Dave Ellswick Show.